1: Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, As always, head to reallifepharmacology.com and check out uh, the free 31-page PDF I have on the top 200 drugs. It's a great little... Uh, resource for anybody looking to uh, brush up on their clinical skills as well as a a prep tool uh, if you're looking at board exams or pharmacology exams in in school there. So uh, go take advantage of that. Uh, Let's get into the drug of the day today and that is hydroxyzine. Brand name of this medication uh, that I've seen thrown around most often is Atarax or Vistaril. And uh, mechanistically, uh, Hydroxazine can cause a, a bunch of different effects. Uh, it's primarily categorized as an antihistamine uh, in that it blocks H1 receptors. So remember, uh, H2 receptors are more in the gut relating to acid secretion and things like that. So that's like your uh, famotidine, for example. Um, histamine 1 blockers uh, give you more of the uh, anti-itching, anticholinergic, antihistamine Um, you know, allergy relieving, those type of uh, effects with that. Uh, So that kind of feeds into uh, uses and what this medication is used for. So probably in in clinical practice, um, I see it used for two or three different things on a pretty regular basis. Uh, I would say the the most common uh, two are itching and anxiety. And it, it can be used on an as-needed basis, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit in the, the kinetics section. Um, but for uh, straight allergies, like you know, postnasal drip and and symptoms like that, um, it, you're typically not going to see hydroxyzine used for that, even though technically it is uh, classified um, within the same category as you know, diphenhydramine. So itching, anxiety. Um, I have seen it used on occasion for analgesia or potentially like muscle spasms, that type of thing. Usually it's in patients that can't tolerate, uh, you know, other medications. So, you know, if a patient can't tolerate opioids or maybe they've got a history of of addiction, independence, abuse, um, if maybe NSAIDs aren't any good for them for some reason or they cause harm, uh, acetaminophen doesn't work well, uh, that might be a situation in which I've, I've seen it kind of used off-label uh, for analgesia relief and, and spasms. And then on occasion, um, I will see a dose just PRN at night, and, and usually that's going to be uh, for sleep, uh, and or sometimes patients that, that struggle with itching at night um, might be prescribed hydroxazine PRN for that. Okay, so let's tie this in a little bit to to the adverse effects. So uh, if we're going to potentially give this medication uh, for sleep or to help with insomnia issues, obviously sedation is a uh, primary concern that we need to to pay attention to. Um, It being an older first-generation antihistamine, um, it's going to have anticholinergic effects, uh, so that's going to be particularly problematic in our elderly patients. Uh, we're talking about dry eyes, dry mouth, uh, confusion, urinary retention, constipation, um, potentially increasing the the risk of falls. Uh, so again, be super super careful uh, with a drug like hydroxyzine um, in in the elderly. And I know that gets really challenging in practice. Uh, let's say we've got that you know pain patient that can't do opioids or NSAIDs aren't a good choice either um, you know it, it gets really challenging and you basically have to decide between uh, you know maybe two or three medications that uh, aren't uh, good or could cause uh, some significant harm there so again very very challenging but uh, important to to think about for sure um, a couple of diagnosis that I think about as I'm you know reviewing a, a medication list for example Uh, So if a patient has, you know, gastroparesis or diabetic gastroparesis, uh, hydroxazine is going to potentially worsen that by slowing down the gut further. Um, You might get more, uh, you know, symptoms of nausea and things like that uh, for for patients. So uh, keep an eye on that with the anticholinergic effects. Uh, And then, of course, um, BPH as well. So hydroxazine could worsen uh, that urinary retention um, and make uh, people have some acute acute reactions, acute situations um, where it's a, a severe uh, type of scenario there. All right, so I think uh, we'll move on to kinetics now. Um, I, I mentioned that I do see this drug quite a bit used as a PRN type medication and as needed type medication. Um, and the reason it's it's helpful for that, Um, is that it it does have a quick onset. Um, When we think about management of anxiety, uh, especially in the acute short-term situation, uh, you know, first you're probably thinking of of benzodiazepines like lorazepam, for example, Uh, but in a patient that, you know, maybe can't tolerate those or we're risking, you know, dependence or maybe there's, you know, on a bunch of opioids already or something and we really want to Um, You know, avoid additive risks of a controlled substance, of a benzodiazepine. Uh, That's a situation where I have seen uh, hydroxazine used kind of for that acute relief of anxiety. Now, how well it works sometimes, I mean, that's, you know, I've seen it go both ways where sometimes it doesn't work very well and and sometimes it it can. So a little bit of patient uh, variability there for sure. And of course, dose matters. Uh, as well, we don't want to overly sedate patients, but um, you know, we want to have an adequate dose to, to be able to manage anxiety too. So uh, that's going to be kind of a, a tight rope to walk based upon patient age and, and all sorts of other factors there. Um, another thing to think about, uh, I mentioned not, you know, the greatest drug in the elderly due to the anticholinergic effects. Um, as with a lot of drugs, hydroxyzine fits the bill in that, uh, elderly patients generally don't, um, you know, break it down, clear the drug as quickly uh, as younger patients. So, for example, the half-life in, you know, your average adult patient may be around 20 hours uh, for hydroxazine in an elderly patient, that half-life may be closer to 30 hours. So again, we, we really need to be careful with accumulation and frequent use. And if you've got somebody that it, it is dosed PRN and not scheduled, uh, we've got to be sure that we're assessing that, um, how frequently are they using, and you know what's the risk of, of drug accumulation, and kind of an, an exacerbation and a, and a worsening of, of some of those adverse effects that, that I laid out there. All right, so let's take a quick break, and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material, like BCPS, NAPLEX, ambulatory care, MTM, geriatrics, go check out meded101.com store. Your support there helps uh, support this podcast. Uh, there's other ways to support this podcast as well. Uh, I've got a whole list of, of resources for um, other healthcare professionals as well, books, case studies, things of, of that nature. Um, all those things are, are at meded101.com store, S-T-O-R-E. And then, of course, lastly, we do have uh, the free Audible book promotion if you've never tried Audible. Uh, again, you can get one free Audible book. I'd probably recommend uh, my Drug Interaction book or uh, Pharmacotherapy. Uh, two great uh, Audible books there, thrill of the case. Uh, three great Audible books there with lots of case studies, scenarios, and then, of course, the, the drug interaction book is, is more focused on uh, drug interactions specifically. So, again, meded101.com store. Okay, keeping on the topic of drug interactions there, let's talk hydroxazine drug interactions. Uh, first and foremost, I think about anticholinergic effects. I think about anticholinergic burden. Are they taking other medications that have anticholinergic activity? Uh, let's say an oxybutynin for, you know, urinary purposes, um, you know, maybe a tricyclic antidepressant, maybe cyclobenzaprine, maybe other antihistamines. All of these can potentially worsen that anticholinergic burden and contribute to some of the side effects I uh, talked about earlier. Uh, In addition, anticholinergic effects can blunt dementia medications. So uh, your acetylcholinesterase inhibitors, for example, your um, rivastigmine, your donepezil, uh, those drugs' potential benefit, which you know maybe aren't the, the greatest uh, benefiting drugs to dementia to begin with, um, could even be blunted further by a drug like hydroxyzine. Uh, adverse effects, I mentioned sedation, so you've got to think about other CNS-depressing type agents, benzodiazepines, opioids, and so on and so forth. Um, those can have a cumulative type effect. Uh, QTC prolongation, it is listed, not something I'm crazy worried about, um, unless that patient is on a lot of uh, other medications that can cause QTC prolongation, you know, quinolone antibiotics, amiodarone, and so on and so forth, or they have potential risk factors that could lead to uh, QT prolongation and um, risk for cardiac complications there as well. So, um, yeah, not high, high on my list, but um, it, is, it is listed and, and potentially something to think about with hydroxazine, uh, particularly in a patient with other risk factors or, or medications. Uh, and then the interaction with oral uh, solid dosage forms of potassium comes up, and that's pretty much with any medication with anticholinergic properties, uh, there's the, the risk of kind of, uh, you know, drying the mouth as well as maybe slowing the, the gut. And that potassium supplement basically um, sticking within the uh, esophagus area and causing uh, an ulceration, basically. Um, and that uh, has been uh, reported in the literature. Um, and it definitely is something to uh, think about if we've got our, our patient on high amounts or significant amounts of uh, anticholinergic-type medication. All right, so that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, leave a rating, review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Um, so appreciative to those of you who have done that. Um, go support our sponsor, meded101.com store door. And uh, obviously head to Real Life Pharmacology and uh, get updates there on when we've got uh, new content available. And I did want to mention a little special announcement. Uh, I am working uh, on a book regarding polypharmacy and the prescribing cascade um, and basically kind of strategies to uh, reduce medications as well as a lot of strategies on things I've seen that have kind of led to the prescribing cascade cascade and some of the challenges with polypharmacy. So going to be lots of case studies in there as well as uh, kind of breaking down uh, some of the most common medications that I see uh, lead to issues in clinical practice. So um, something to look forward to. And obviously, if you subscribe at RealLifePharmacology.com, um, you're going to be the first to know because I'm going to send out an email um, when I've got that available. And uh, many times um, I've been uh, made it so there's a huge discount um, when I first release a book because I, I want people to have it. I want people to learn from it, of course. So um, with that said, you can reach me, uh, track me down, uh, Eric Christensen, Farm D, BCGP, BCPS on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the the best way. Otherwise, uh, email works pretty well is uh, good as well. MedEducation 101 at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, if you have comments, suggestions, Um, definitely uh, reach out and, and let me know there. So signing off for today. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done.